0: guys so today I have a guest on my podcast I have Ollie with me hello (laughs) um so we were thinking of doing a podcast today on transitioning because Ollie's transgender and I was thinking that it might help like some people out there who are maybe thinking of it or too scared to do it so yeah Um, Do you fancy saying a little bit about you, what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm Ollie, I'm 21 years old and I am female to male transitioning, Um, mostly private so far because we're still waiting for the NHS, Um, so I'm in a lot of debt but it's all 100% worth it.
0: (laughs) What do you think about the NHS like system for transitioning?
1: Uh, Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on it's really not great. Um, most clinics average about a two- year waiting time. Wow. Um, mine is well, they say that they it's an 85 week wait, but I'm on week 91 and still waiting. Um, so I definitely think that needs to improve, but a lot of it is due to underfunding. Yeah, they don't have the funding. Um, so that's why it's a very very long and stressful wait and I think that's why a lot of people, uh turn to private because it's just the <laughs> it's the only option yeah. really um the way I saw it there was no other way than to do it privately as as costly as it is i worked out the other day that i have spent over 8 grand on on transitioning um wow. on appointments and surgery uh, that's not including like travel prices but i've spent i think it was 8300 and something that I calculated so it's a lot of money but the results were more than worth it
0: yeah and it will
1: get paid off in time the debt (laughs) it's not it won't it won't just sit there it will get paid off in time yeah so it's not just gonna get worse and worse it Mm. will get paid off
0: do the nhs offer any like help in terms of mental health because obviously I'd imagine in terms
1: of the weight like, um, while you wait, sort of thing. Yeah,
0: kind of, and like as you're going through it <clears> as
1: well. <clears throat> while you wait, um, there's really nothing that they can do. But, well, nothing that they've done for me, I sort of didn't really bother with looking into that. But I assume, mm-hmm. once you're there, I assume you'll get some kind of... I hope. <laughs> I yeah. hope they give you something. Um, but in terms of during the wait, <clears throat> there's not a lot really that they do other than let you wait. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Do you think that should be in place?
1: I think it should, yeah. Although actually I tell a lie because I did get a letter saying that um, offering a workshop um, for other people but I think that was more aimed at people who hadn't done anything privately and who had no idea and who were really just starting and doing everything on the NHS. The way that it was worded in the letter, it was for people who really hadn't done anything because there was lots of sort of like there were going to be interviews about hormones and and surgeries and things like that. So I I didn't take that because I'd done a fair amount already and I felt like I knew a lot anyway. So I sort of left that for someone else. So there was that, but that was, that was offered to me in January. So it was quite a while ago. Mm. But other than that, there's, it's not really anything there so i think there should be um yeah. something there because i i have no doubt that people are not to be morbid dying on these waiting lists because they're so long um i think i think the longest is about 4 years and i think oh. that's the daventry clinic which i re i took myself off that waiting list because it was too long and went for sheffield instead yeah Because it was, I think now it's got, when I first contacted Daventry, it was two years. And then it went up to two and a half. And I just thought, no.
0: Yeah. Did you get a choice on which waiting list you went on?
1: For which clinic? Yeah. Yeah, you can choose. Most most of the clinics um, in England offer to anywhere in England. It's just where it's feasible for you to get to, really. Mm. Um, Sheffield was the next best one. So I went with that. Yeah. Daventry is the closest, that's in Northamptonshire, but Sheffield is easier to get to if you don't drive, because you can't get a train to Daventry, but you can get a train to Sheffield, yeah, so that was the next true. best option, and at the time, when I was referred there, it was only a year wait, but of course that goes up and up and up, Yeah. so it's going to be, when I last rang them a couple of weeks ago, they, because they offered me an appointment, um someone else had cancelled it so they only told me like five days before that they had an appointment for me because someone because it was a cancellation appointment i actually had to say no even though i won i wanted it but i couldn't go with five days notice from work yeah and the train is like 26 quid as well so i couldn't go so they did offer me one but i'm still waiting for an official i suppose first appointment and that's Mm. they're given out six weeks in advance so, and um, they told me that I was at the top of the waiting list. Um, and that was a couple of weeks ago. So we're looking mid-October. God. Best best case scenario, we're looking yeah. mid-October.
0: So say if the NHS, I don't really know much about it, I haven't mm. done much research into it. But say if the NHS, like, um, you got on to getting their treatment. Mm. would you finish your treatment with the NHS rather than carry on going private, assuming you'd want to
1: yeah i'd well, you have to choose between NHS and private because they don't they don't work together. Um, the NHS clinics don't always seem to like the private clinics hmm. um, i don't I don't know um much about the guy that I see um because generally he's quite re- well respected yeah and i saw him on friday his name's dr Lorimer, and i asked him if sheffield's like do they like him do they dislike him do they take him seriously and he's not a lot heard a lot back from them mm. really some i know some clinics are quite critical of him because he's a man that works in the nhs and he works privately to address yeah. long waiting times, because he's a guy that actually wants to make a difference. And I know because he gives a lot of people private prescriptions, sometimes the NHS are quite sort of sceptical of him. Um, so there's a worry that they won't take what he has said seriously. Mm. Um, but you, you, I, yeah, I would continue on the NHS, if all goes well. Because I don't really want to have to <laughs> fork out 150 quid every now and then to for yeah. <laughs> an appointment. I don't really want to have to do that. But if the NHS, if I find that their treatment is not going to work for me, then um, we'll have to split, stick to private, I suppose. But, mm. um, <laughs> but I am hopeful that it will work. And I, I know that they're going to, people have said that once you're there and in the system it all happens quite um, quickly so that's good, so that's good. You get there. but it's just whether they're gonna hopefully take what Dr Lorimer has said seriously seeing as he he is the one who put me on hormones he is the one who said yes to that um so it's they can if, if they really wanted to they could take you off them um I don't see in my case why they would yeah but if they really disagreed with him they do have the power to take you off them once that's you're in their system they do have the power to stop and say no
0: then what would actually happen if you did that
1: um
0: now i'm not obviously I'm not a doctor but <laughs> what would
1: happen well um i'd some the non-reversible changes would go back no the sorry not non-reversible the reversible changes of hormones would go back
0: what would a reversible so start
1: i'd start getting my period again
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Although that's
1: already happened. I can't miss... It. We established the other day that my hormone levels are way too low because if I miss the pill for one day, it comes back. So we established that that needs to change the wow. other day. We established that needs to change. So things like that, that would come back. The um, voice, I don't know. I think that would stay the same, actually, because I think once it's broken, that's it. How
0: did, that like... Stays. Was that hormones? mm Oh, that's
1: yeah. interesting. And that was it. Really interesting because that happened. That started happening within a week. Wow! No, um, I remember speaking yeah. to
0: you on the phone one day, and I didn't know it was you when mm. you first picked up the
1: phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was some. For some people, change certain changes happen faster than others, and for me, that literally happened just like that.
0: Yeah, within
1: a week, um, it started cracking, and it's just how your body responds to it. Because even though we we're having the issue with the periods, we'd established that my body has responded quite well, despite always having a lower level. Yeah. Um and it just it just the vocal cords thickened really quickly because that's how it does it. It's something to do with your your vocal cords get thicker and that's why it goes lower. And it's mm. just how your you respond to it. So some people have a much deeper voice than others. Yeah, same mine's average maybe, um, yeah. but it just depends how your body responds to the changes. You can't, you can't control um, the changes. Yes,
0: yeah, so there's no guarantee there's that your voice would no, break.
1: There was no guarantee. No, there was no guarantee that it would break. There was no guarantee that I'd get facial hair, mm. which I do a bit. It it looks kind of it's, <laughs> it's there. It's there. <laughs> But I don't really, if I let it grow out, it's kind of just around my neck and the sides are a different colour to my chin. So I've got like dark hair on the sides and white hair on my chin. So I can't really let it grow out because it doesn't look, it doesn't look great. Um, So there's no guarantee that you'll get that. And there's also, there's risks as well. You know, you, you can go bald.
0: I didn't know that. You
1: can go, yeah, you can go bald. As with any, any cisgender man, you know, you can go bald. Yeah. But that depends more on your genes. How did you feel
0: about that risk? Like, did that make you nervous?
1: Not to sound cocky, but no. Because it's to do... The, something about the male pattern baldness, it's to do with the men on your mum's side of the family. Mm. And they've all got thick hair. So I... I I don't think that I will. I like, I hope I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my hairline has gone back a bit. Yeah. That's, that's like that's a natural boy that's thing. a natural thing yeah. yeah I knew that was gonna happen um but in terms of my actual hair itself it feels quite it's quite thick so i'm i I, I would hope it's not a risk <laughs> my dad's not bald like he's got he's not got a lot of hair because he is older but he's still not bald yeah um but you know it, it is still a risk and you have to sort of be aware that you can't pick and choose. Mm. um you can't pick and choose which effects that you some you might you might want effects, some certain effects more than others like a deep voice but things like the fat redistribution it goes more towards your belly um things like that and i would say strangely it made me hungrier the hormones <laughs> i got a bigger appetite as well um, because I think there's a common belief that men eat more than women, say, yeah. and I got more of an appetite as well. So that sort of things like you can't you can't change the shape that your body's gonna go in. You can't determine.
0: Yeah,
1: you can't choose where that's gonna go. So if you end up with a bit of a beer belly like me, then that is a thing. But I think that's also down to my diet as well. Yeah, <laughs> but I have going to the gym, so it's all fine. That's
0: good. But yeah,
1: you can't. For people, uh, I would say that people need to be aware that you cannot pick and choose, mm. and there are going to be things that are more awkward than others. <laughs> As to what they can do. I
0: think. Yeah. Have you had any particularly awkward things that you don't mind mentioning? <laughs> if you don't want to mention it, obviously. I.
1: No. <laughs> Some of them are really. Um, it depends how PG you want to make this podcast. <laughs> go for it and I'll cut it out if it's okay well you, you've got to be aware they I was I was told this Dr. Lorimer did tell me this but he what he didn't tell me is that how quickly it might happen um things down there grow ah fair enough it it, it grows it it grows and that started again happening within a couple of weeks
0: that's mostly fair it's good to it, fit anyone who's transitioning yeah, to be aware it,
1: of be aware of the fact that um it will grow uh, that's all. <laughs> without being too crude it i might call it, the podcast that it will grow it will grow, <laughs> it will grow. yeah it, it will grow and it will happen quicker than what you think um you might use the toilet one day and look down and think wow okay <laughs> it 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 will grow it's a bit odd um i i sat there and laughed it was quite funny because my mum was upstairs as well and i, I was on the toilet and i just sat there and laughed <laughs> <laughs> and she was like what's going on I was like nothing nothing nothing
0: Nothing. I just really pretended I was looking at my
1: phone um but it was quite amusing because I actually looked down and laughed
0: uh,
1: because it had grown I was like wow mm.
0: <laughs> interesting
1: <laughs> very yeah that's that's the thing
0: uh, are there any other risks involved that we haven't
1: um with male hormones I know I don't know how but it it can increase your risk of having a stroke. Um, but again, I think that's down to more personal things like your diet or your lifestyle or if someone in your family has had one. Um, it thickens your blood as well. I don't know how, but it does. So if you have an operation, a doctor might ask you to maybe miss a couple of injections, maybe miss about a month or two in case of a blood clot. Yeah. Because you you know, you you wanna do everything that you can to minimise a blood clot. So they might, depending, tell you, maybe stop for a bit. Um just in because obviously they do everything they can to minimise blood clots, like the yeah. the big compression mm-hmm. the big sock things. Um but if your blood is thicker than they they perhaps might tell you. Yeah to come off it for a while but you can go straight back on it after the operation and it wouldn't be something permanent you'd only you'd only miss maybe one or two injections
0: yeah that's fair enough.
1: which i didn't have to because i'd only when i had an operation when i had my operation i'd only been on it for four months yeah. so it, it hadn't had time to do anything mm. so that wasn't a risk
0: yeah and exactly that was your top surgery that
1: was yeah that was the double mastectomy um which again i did privately um because <laughs> had I been waiting for the NHS, I wouldn't, wouldn't have had it, and I had it over a year ago, um, a year and a month ago, um, which was probably the most freeing process of my entire life,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: think. Albeit painful, um, it was the most freeing process I've ever had in my entire life. I think something that you've, you've hated about your body since... It started to grow, and finally having it removed was very, very freeing. Um, and I think it's still a shock to this day to look down, to look down and actually see, Aww. yeah, actually see something that's that you're happy with as well. Yeah. Um, so it's well worth. That was well worth it as well, despite all the. It wasn't. It, pain was. I would say on a medium, mm. um, but it was other things like the nervousness of going under anesthetic because I hadn't yeah. done that before, and I think perhaps if you're older and you're more aware of what, and you did the stupid thing like me and Google what <laughs> anesthetic does to you or how many people die from from general anesthesia, you know, I think that may, that makes you sort of nervous because I was, uh, you know, I was twenty. At the time,
0: yeah, I haven't been under. No, either.
1: it's it was it was fine, obviously, because I'm here, nothing went wrong. Um, but you know that was terrifying, and that was the only thing that made me question that yeah. the actual going under. It wasn't the procedure itself. The only thing that made me second guess it was the fact that I had to go under. Yeah. Um, you could, you could have been awake. I suppose. I suppose they could have numbed you, but I think that would have been more traumatic in the long yeah. run. Because you have, you'd have to stay completely still as oh, well. Oh, that would be... For three hours. That makes me feel funny. For three hours. I don't think that's possible to stay Yeah, probably still. not really safe. No, while you're aware as well. Um, it's not like when you just have a tooth taken out, where that's like two seconds. I
0: struggled with that, not going to lie. Yeah, no, so did
1: I as well. That's what made me nervous when I had a tooth out. I, was, I really struggled with that. So I was thinking, God, how am I going to handle an operation but no the the team that look, that uh, they looked after me very well um, where did you go it was a it was through the london transgender clinic and a surgeon called mr inglefield who does a lot of um he does breast implants for trans women he does double mastectomies for trans men and he, and he also just does general yeah plastic surgery bits like nose jobs things like that um And it was in a hospital in London called Weymouth Street Hospital, which was very nice. (laughs) Um, It was a very nice um, private hospital. So it was quite, the care was as impeccable as you'd expect it to be paying that amount of money. Yeah. Um, Because the surgery itself was only four and a half grand. But then the hospital wanted a further sort of two or three grand. Yeah. Even though I was only there for 10 hours. I didn't even stay overnight.
0: Wow. Oh, that's a bit. Did you yeah. have a hotel in London? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we didn't
1: We didn't go home straight away. Um, we stayed overnight in London, but left. I think I left the hospital about nine o'clock,
0: mm.
1: maybe. Um, but yeah, they still wanted about three grand off me, so...
0: How much did it cost overall for
1: that? The overall cost was £7,298, mm. if you want to be exact. I paid, I think, one of it up front one or two yeah. up front and then I have the rest on a loan but I, I earn some interest on that loan so that makes it about six grand that I pay off over three years three? yeah three yeah. that sounds about right and it's 163 per month
0: it's quite a lot but it's quite it a lot yeah accessible. but it makes
1: it makes it accessible because it you know it's it's kind of like paying off a car yeah. Really. It wasn't... I I considered it beforehand what it was going to be like. And it mm. wasn't like I was throwing away, like, 20 grand or something. No, it's it was... important. It's well. important. Yeah. It was very important. And it was, you know... But...
0: And then to finish off this podcast, mm. what would you say to anyone who is looking to transition but perhaps is too nervous? Do you have, like, any advice?
1: Um obviously the thing is you have to think about it you have to be sure but I'm sure you will be sure because I'm sure a lot of you will have known from sort of five or six (laughs) like me I'm sure a lot of you will have known actually that it's the right decision but um what you can do is if you're over 16 you can make a confidential appointment with your doctor and get yourself on an NHS waiting list as soon as that would be my advice. Even if you haven't come out to anyone, get yourself on an NHS waiting list as soon as you can. Um, but I think there will come a point where you... The fear of not doing it will override the fear of coming out, and that's when that's when you will do it. When you get to that point, it might take a while... Um, but when you get to that point that is when you will do it and that is when everything will fall into place. The fi- Once the fear of actually coming out overrides the fear of not transitioning that's when you're going to do it and that's when everything will, will fall into place for you. Um, I think treatment wise as I've said I think you will have to consider private options um, but I found that the actual appointments, not the surgery itself, but actual appointments aren't too bad price-wise. Yeah. 150 to £300 pounds is sort of the average, mm. I would say. Um, but yeah, you know, if anyone doesn't accept you, that's that's their problem. Don't worry about it. That's their problem, not yours. Um, it's your life and you deserve to be happy. Yeah. That's what I would say.
0: thank you very much that's all right
1: thank you for having me
0: (laughs) thanks for listening guys